welcome to the Brooks Rehabilitation Podcast. My name is Tracy Davis. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the Brooks Institute for Higher Learning, or Brooks IHL for short, with Dr. Robert Rowe and Dr. Trent Harrison. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and I want to remind you to go to brooksrehab.org to learn more about our entire organization, everything that we have going on. We've got a lot of exciting things happening here at Brooks. And also find us on all social media platforms at Brooks Rehab. We'll keep it really brief this time, and we're going to get right into the episode. Well, let's just start off by having you guys introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Rowe. I'm the Executive Director of the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning. I'm Dr. Trent Harrison. I am the Orthopedic Manual Fellowship Coordinator and the Orthopedic Residency Coordinator for the IHL. Great. So before we go into a little bit of your, your histories, how long have you guys both been at Brooks? I've been here almost 16 years. Has it been that long? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've been here 10 years with a one, I guess I've been here 11 years with a, but there was a gap year in between. That's there. right. So you were kind of broken up. You were traveling that five years. He's, yeah. the, he's the prodigal son. <laughs> he came back. <laughs> he came back. <laughs> that's right. Was prophesized to return. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, so just tell me, Bob, tell me a little bit about your, your history and, and how you got into this field and what led you to being at Brooks. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a, it's a long story cause I'm an old, old man, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Grew up, grew up in New York, uh, started college, moved to Louisiana, um, did my professional training, PT school at LSU um, Health Science uh, Center in New Orleans, go Tigers. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, lived in Louisiana for uh, 25 years and uh, uh, Katrina hit and uh, we decided, uh, my family and I decided we needed to um, find another place to, to live and we... Uh, and we landed in Brooks and it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so I've been here and really happy and have enjoyed our, our time here at Brooks. And, uh, uh, so yeah, absolutely. Here, here we are. Trent. Yeah. So I went to, um, the university of St. Augustine. So when I did my DPT training, I was right down the road mm-hmm. and not to give them a big head, but I came here because <laughs> Bob was here, not to segue too much into the topic today, but you know, when I was in a graduating PT program, uh, I knew I wanted to do a residency training, uh, mainly because of the environment that I was in in PT school. I just saw what fellows and residents did because how they interacted with my instructors, and I would hear their conversations and say, "I have no idea what they're talking about," so I need to get me some of that. Mm-hmm. And um, when I spoke with one of my instructors, they said, "You probably need to go to Brooks, and you probably need to go." I work with Bob. So that's when I interviewed and I did the residency program at, at Brooks and the rest is history. So you came here into the residency program. I came here specifically for the, I didn't care where I was going to live and work Mm -hmm. um, because I just wanted to get employed so I could be a part of the program. So I was actually uh, living at the beach uh, because that's where my fiance had a house and I was working in Fleming Island and I was all about the keys. I was all about it because for me it was, I'm here for this experience, and I don't care yeah. where I work and live. Yeah. It's, it's all good. For those that don't know, that's a very long drive. For those, <laughs> Fleming Island to the beach is, yeah, that's a very long yeah, drive. There's a lot of driving in Jacksonville in general, yes. and that's already, you know, Absolutely. one end to the other end. So, Bob, 16 years ago, whenever you came in, it was, wasn't it just called like a clinical education program that we had at Brooks? It wasn't anything. We had something, but it wasn't huge. Or what, what did we have whenever so, you first came in? So, um, the, the great thing and why I chose to come here, because I... Um, without going into too much detail, I had, 
I, I did, when I decided to leave LSU, I, I did a national search and I had job offers from a couple of top five academic programs. That's really where I thought I was going to go was to another mm-hmm. academic program. I was in a core faculty position at LSU actually at the time when I, when I was leaving. And um, I was going to go to another academic program. And, and um, Brooks is obviously not an academic program. No. But um, I, uh, the thing that attracted me was that Brooks had zero. It was a blank canvas. Right. And um, I had a had my interview with Michael Spiegel and uh, you know, it was clear that they have, was a, there was a great vision and there were resources and um, it was obvious that um, there was going to be a lot of opportunity for me to create something that was unique. And um, so that was what drew me here was okay. the opportunity to create something. Um, so we really didn't have anything at the there time because we you, you would have preceded my time here. So that's why I couldn't quite remember. So, okay. So that's great. I mean, that's, that seems like a perfect opportunity and something yeah. that you wanted to grow yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Blank, blank canvas with the underlying culture needed to build on. Right. right. Yeah. Right. And, and infrastructure of an organization mm-hmm. already there and stuff like that. Okay. Fantastic. So, um, can we just get into a little bit of what a, what's a PTOT residency and fellowship program for people that don't know? Um, I guess a lot of people probably think you just go to school, get your degree, yay, go work. And so why do we have you? Why, what, what do you guys do? Both PT and OT, you go to undergraduate school and then you um, finish undergraduate. So four years of college, then you go to um, professional school for OT. Mm-hmm. They're in transition, so you either go to a master's program or they go to an OTD program. Mm-hmm. Um, for PT now, it's 100%. Um, you go to undergraduate and then you move on to a DPT program, so another two to three years of professional school and graduate with a DPT. And, and so then you graduate, and um, if you choose to do a residency, it's optional. You, it's, it's an, again, it's a clinical advanced training mm-hmm. over and above what you receive um, from your um, DPT. Right. Okay. So these are the people that are wanting to go above and beyond in their, in their career field to learn more, you know? Correct. So what, what are they, what kind of things are they getting after, after school? I, I think another way of putting it also is it's not just, it's not just going above and beyond when to learn more. There's some of that, mm-hmm. but I think some of it also is you're wanting to, refine what you just learned sure. in DPT program for the thing you're actually wanting to do. Because mm-hmm. when you think about uh, somebody who graduated DPT program, they're getting everything. They're getting the gamut. Right. A little bit of peds, a little bit of ortho, a little bit of neuro, a little bit of all these things. Mm-hmm. And then you graduate and then you go into, you know, this is the job I want. I don't actually need, you know, maybe I need to understand understand it to a degree, but I'm only going to be practicing with 30% of what I just learned right. from DPT school. Mm-hmm. So, now I need to actually put a spotlight on that. Now I need to actually say that 30% means a lot more to me. Mm-hmm. So how do I refine it? How do I actually like process a little bit more? And how do I build onto it some? And that's in essence sure. what I thought of when I was you know, in a residency program is that was the goal. It's like, I knew I wasn't going to do these things. This is what I wanted. So now let's let's try and enhance that and make sure that I really do understand it as well as I hope to graduating sure. from PT school. So to, to get a little more micro, what what are the things that, that people are doing whenever they join the residency program? Whenever they start, they sign up. They, I'm sure they go through a process to be to, uh, approved to join the program, stuff like that. What what are they getting as they as they start? So they, um, you know, going just to tell. Um, you know, tacking on to what Trent was talking about, all the residencies are broken into areas of specialty. Yep. So they'll go into um, 
orthopedics or neurologic or pediatrics or geriatrics or sports. Or, right. and, and so they're looking to get that additional training in that very specific area where they really want to go practice and where mm -hmm. they really want to go work. So they're, so they're, they're learning the um, additional knowledge. They're learning additional um, hands-on skills. They're learning, um, you know, how to better communicate with patients. They're learning, you know, how to develop relationships with patients. They're learning how to take the information that they learned in their either OTD um, program or their DPT program and how to better integrate that right. and use that information um, with patients. So those are the, the, the nuts and bolts of the, right. the residency. So, and then that's, I guess that's another kind of like what we said before with having Brooks is we have all of these different sites uh, with, with across our entire system of care to, so that all these therapists can go to those places and get that training, geriatric sports, neuro, all those kind of things. Yeah. We've got all the populations yeah. available to us. And right. so we just match the populations with the actual, you know, specialty area you're trying to train in. And then you can actually get that, um, exposure because that's one of the big things is that. I think that a lot of people have, and I don't want to say misconception, but in essence, a misconception that some people associate, oh, I want to do a residency because I want to be a specialist. And mm -hmm. so the goal is to get this specialty certificate at the end of the, like you sit down for a test, um, right. which is available out there and, and, oh, I want to get through the residency so I can have this specialty exam that I then complete. And then I finally have these you know specialty letters after my name, which is awesome. Yes, it's great to have, but you technically don't have to do a residency program to get those specialties. Like you could just go out and practice for X amount of years. And then afterwards you could sit down and take that test if you right. studied for it. So the test itself might not be a true reflection of the exposure and the sort of practice that you've actually had, right? Mm -hmm. Because maybe um, you've been practicing for eight years and a small percentage that has been, you know, orthopedics, but over those eight years, it's now enough to sit for this exam. Sure. That's a little different than, you know what, I want to do a, I want to drink from the fire hose. I want to do a residency program where the only thing I'm doing yeah. is specifically the thing that I want to get good at. Mm -hmm. And it's like an apprenticeship of old, you know, it's like in the olden days, you want to be the blacksmith. You went and you worked with the blacksmith right. and they taught you everything they knew. Yeah. Right. I think that's what was so appealing to me in terms of residency training is it was, yeah, I could, I could do this on my own, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, over time, but right. you know, I'm, I want to go work with the blacksmith. Right. You know, I want to go sit there and sweat in the forage and actually see what sure. they're doing. Um, and so to me, that was part of that residency program. It was literally someone saying, Oh, try this. Oh, now try it this way. Now mm -hmm. do it this way. Now, what did you see? And then being able to reflect with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're constantly in that environment that you needed in order to get those reps in. Right. So, sure. And so, you know, talking the, the residents take classes, you know, and so they, and they practice and, um, there's lots of different activities they do and they take tests mm -hmm. and, and, but, you know, we always talk about the backbone of residency, um, training is the mentoring where they, yes. they receive mentoring from a clinical expert. I was going to ask about already that. been through that mm -hmm. before. And, um, that's, that's really the, 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 what we always think of as the key, you know, and that's what, yeah. you know, Trent was kind of alluding to that this, you know, go spend time with the blacksmith. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I was in the clinic this morning performing mentoring and I think, I think you were in, I was, yeah. yeah, Trent was in the clinic this morning too. Sure. And, um, so, you know, we go into clinic and we, we spend time with, you know, people who are in the program, you know, residency or fellowship and, mm -hmm. and we, um, 
you know, observe them and, and have conversations with them and, and challenge them and, and, um, give them suggestions and answer their questions and ask them questions. And it's a, there's a very high level of accountability and, uh, uh, you know, challenging them in terms of their integration, you know, because we know what they're learning. Yes. We, as faculty, we know what they know and, and what they should know and what they should be doing. Sure. And so, um, you know, we're looking over their shoulder and um, ass- assessing, are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Right. And uh, that's, and that's, that's consistent with other residency programs in healthcare, you know, whether it's, you know, physicians or right. um, pharmacists or, or who are, you know, all the different programs. Absolutely. But, it, but I think it's also amazing about, cause just because we're talking about the mentoring at the moment that I want to highlight is, there is definitely a, a level of accountability there in terms of, yes, the mentor knows what the resident needs to be doing and how they need to be doing it potentially, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're there in that sense. But I don't want people to think hearing that, that it's like, especially for those of you who are in DPT program, that it is a year-long practical. You know, those mentoring sessions are not, mm-hmm. you know, judgment hours, and it's not that you have a teacher there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A mentor is very different than like a teacher-student relationship. Right. right? A teacher-student relationship sometimes is very much one directional, right? Yeah. And this is more like just making sure you're on the path if you kind of stray off a little bump back to the road kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and Not, it's, it's very collegial. It's very yeah. guiding. You know, it's very, let's talk about it. And, sure. if, and if you're wrong, that's great. You know, let's talk about why that maybe you were wrong or maybe I'm wrong and let's talk about why I was wrong because there's there's information, there's ways, you, you're going to learn so much about figuring out how I was wrong or why you were wrong as opposed to it's just this binary, I got to have the right answer, I got to have the wrong answer, which kind of happens sometimes yeah. in a teacher-student relationship. Mm-hmm. So you got to wash that out. You know, you got to make sure that that's gone during this residency process and during the mentoring process because mm-hmm. the mentoring process, I think, is the most rewarding thing once people understand that and, sure. and their vulnerabilities are down and those kind of things and you're just open. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on the mentor. The mentor is going to be, they're coached in that sort of, they're trained in that process to be able to help bring those walls down Mm -hmm. Uh, and those relationships. I mean, the people that I had as mentors when I was going through the program, I still have wonderfully strong relationships with those individuals Mm -hmm. and um, I still get mentorship from them to this day, you Mm -hmm. know, and I've, I think that's just such a, like a beautiful part of going through the residency program is building those relationships. So let's talk a little bit about the benefit of, and why would someone want to come to do the residency through the, the Brooks IHL? What are they, and we should say too, that, you know, they are a working employee, right? Like they're, they're working here. They're not just an intern, you know, Uh, we do have interns around the company, but Mm -hmm. these are not interns. So kind of explain some of those things and, and, and why people should be drawn to come to Brooks IHL. Me? Oh yeah. I'll go for it. Yeah. So yeah, it, like you alluded to Tracy, it's a hundred percent that you, you have to wear two hats while you're here as a, as a resident in the Brooks system, because you are both, you are both a resident, meaning that there are responsibilities that you have within the IHL here at Brooks, but then you're also a full employee with full benefits. So you're actually wearing that employee. Hat. Right. So you got to wear both. And so that means you're managing a couple of different relationships. You're in, managing the relationships with your actual site, and your manager mm-hmm. in that sense, and you're managing a relationship with your cohort, the people that you're learning with, and your you know, coordinator, whoever right. it is that's actually running your program. Um, but that's an aside, sort of. Um, 
What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> no, just the, the benefits of why someone should, would want to come to the IHL. So that's one thing. Yeah, like yeah. You're, you, you are an employee while you are getting your education and going through your residency. No, 100%. Person. So yeah. I would say, you know, to me, I think the biggest benefit probably by far that what I've seen mm -hmm. in, in my role as residency coordinator over the years, um, what I've found is one of the strengths of our program versus other programs. And, and I've also, you know, I'm not tooting my horn, but, you know, I've been able to be a part of um, credentialing processes to go see other residency programs. So I've, I've been able to go over and, and see other residency programs, sure. which has been wonderful because sometimes they do things that are great and you're like, oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm going to add that and you get to talk to other coordinators. But I think the thing that sort of stood out always for Brooks was that we, it's, it's boots on the ground here. You know, it's, you have all these different residency programs and every residency program has X amount of residents in them and all those residents start at the same time. So we'll bring on like 30 plus residents and fellows to start a cohort year together. Right. And it's not a rolling, it's not rolling throughout the year. They do, they all start together. Like yeah. the semester started exactly. all together. And right. so you have that sort of, that collegial yep. um, vibe and it and all of them get to build relationships so you're building relationships not only with your cohort you know and, and in the orthopedic residency we have somewhere between six and eight residents and they build super strong relationships with the other people there and they and they're going to be able to benefit from each other's strengths and weaknesses sure. you know because someone has it's almost like you get five times the mentoring because if you go out and you have your mentoring relationship with your mentor well they're going to work on the things that you need to work on well, meanwhile, they're working on different things potentially with this other resident, and then you're talking to that resident and you're learning from their experiences. Right. So there's this whole sort of shared learning experience that you're going to have with your cohort members. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, there are other residency programs simultaneously going on in different specialties, and you're going to be able to pick their brains. So I think that that cultural aspect at Brooks, the big culture where it's this sort of filter down. You have the big Brooks rehab umbrella culture that mm -hmm. we already have that's very strong. Sure. And then you have the IHL culture and then you have the culture within your sort of residency program and you get the you get the benefit of all of those, you know, because mm -hmm. you're here in person, you know, boots on the ground sort of in this program. And I think that that's something that it's hard to replicate that. Yeah. You know, it, this is definitely a unique scenario because at other facilities or other institutions or other areas it would be hard to do because that's hard to replicate in general you know yeah budgetary wise being able to manage that there's all sorts of things that we've been blessed at brooks that everyone understood the mission and understood the goal and they were able to make it happen so yeah. that we now have this microcosm yeah and being able to be a part of that microcosm is is I think the yeah. biggest strength. Culture is very hard to build from, oh my from nowhere, yeah. And it's been intentional. And and I'll add a couple more things to what Trent was talking about, that um, that the in terms of the um, the function of the IHL, everything works synergistically. And and again, it's very intentional in, in, in how it was built and how it was constructed. Um, so the continuing ed program that we have and the student internship program we have and the residency program we have, all of those intertwine together. Mm -hmm. And so they all um, interact and they all engage each other mm -hmm. and they all support each other. And so they're synergistic. And and again, that's very intentional. And, um, you know, Trent talked about the engagement between the different programs. Well, yeah, they they um, each one of the specialty um, residency programs has um, so it might be a women's health residency, but it requires a little bit of um, training within uh, 
orthopedics and manual therapy. Right. And well, guess what? We have an orthopedic residency and we have a manual therapy fellowship. Right. So we have the opportunity to shift some things over, you know, from these experts in manual therapy to do some training over there. Mm-hmm. And um, the pediatrics um, residency requires some um, training from orthopedics. And so again, we can shift some things over there. Right. And uh, so geriatrics. All without having to leave Brooks. Correct. And yeah. geriatrics, you know, is this hodgepodge of you know, neurologics and orthopedics and yeah. um, cardiovascular. And so again, we can, we can leverage all of these programs simultaneously and shift things back and forth, shift knowledge and translate it back and forth between all the different groups. And, and, um, you know, without, again, you said it without ever having to leave Brooks, I right. mean, all within the family, mm-hmm. you know, within this community that we yeah. have developed here. Absolutely. Yeah. It takes, it takes years sometimes for people, you know, year, year, years, uh, to build that Rolodex, right? You, you sure. go out and you become a practicing, you know, clinician, uh, you know, physical therapist somewhere, and you've got your, you know, outpatient clinic. Like it's going to take years to build like, okay, now I finally know a personal trainer. I really like now I finally know a nutritionist. Like now I finally know a, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Um, you're going to have, <laughs> you're going to have a full Rolodex after yeah. the residency just because of, uh, you know, because we'll have guest lecturers come in. We'll have, mm-hmm. you have the other specialty areas, obviously. So it's like you leave and you're like, all right, you know, I went through this with you know, my buddy, Jeff, he's a neuro guy. Yeah. And so now I can call him if I have an issue, I can call so-and-so. Connections, so, yeah. Yeah, you have an instant catalog. So you much know, of life is about Rolodex. connections and who you know. And mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. The other strength is that just within Brooks going outside the IHL, we have so many strong programs. You know, we have the adaptive sports program and we have the NRC and we have the, the clubhouse and we have so many, I mean, many, many, many more yeah. that, that the, um, that again, we, we use and we engage with and we um, interact with that um, add to the residency experience yeah. and th- that other programs around the country don't have anything close to um to what we have here. I was going to ask that, like what, what, what really stands out just really quickly that, that makes the Brooks IHL so much different is it, is it the system of Brooks of what, what they have access to here? I mean, obviously the culture and all the, the mentorship and stuff you guys already mentioned, but that's gotta be a big factor. It is. You're, you're yeah. absolutely correct. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't imagine. And I, I think about that a lot as, as you know, I'm learning more about other healthcare system, uh, rehabilitation healthcare systems that just how unique we are. And it seems to be a very, it's a theme that we don't, we don't try to bring up all, in every podcast, but it's a theme that always works its way up somehow yeah. <laughs> because it, it always gets talked yeah. about. I, I know I'm, I work in marketing, but like it, it gets talked about a lot that, you know, just naturally that we are very different, you know, of what we have here in Jacksonville yeah. and yeah. throughout Florida. And I'll just, I'll just throw this out there because, because we, We've talked about residency and mentorship thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that obviously this is the, the Brooks podcast. So of course, we're going to market <laughs> Brooks and it's important. But I'd like yes. to just throw out there for anyone who's listening at this point in time, because you tuned in because you were like, oh, I want I'm, I don't know enough about residencies. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the hopefully part of the intent of this is to describe residencies in general. Um, but some of the like when someone comes up to me at like CSM at the conferences and they say, Oh, you know, I'm curious about residencies and it's sort of this general take on residencies. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'll say, and this is going back to that mentoring, mm-hmm. I'll tell them, figure out who the mentor is at whatever program you're going to go to. Right. Who's the mentor. Right. And then ask that, like figure out what's that mentor's communication style, mm-hmm. like talk to them, you know, call them up or email them and, 
Do you have the same kind of communication style? Can you do you feel comfortable talking to this person? And then how do they practice? Like, what's right. their practice pattern? If you could figure that out, and, and does that practice pattern mirror what you kind of want to do? Because I think that that mentorship and that relationship is so crucial to the process of doing a residency, mm-hmm. right? I think that there's a lot of people that maybe focus on the didactic, like, oh, I'm gonna learn a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can learn a bunch of stuff. Like you can you can learn things now in this, you know, in, in the technology, technological age, you yeah. can learn the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But it's how you, um, how you actually communicate in that relationship you have with that mentor so that they can help you like figure out what stuff of that that you're learning is actually right. relevant and right. what stuff of that is like you don't need that yet or mm-hmm. which one of these is most important or how are you processing that information so there's yeah. just a just well, a no side. that makes sense i mean for me like i everything i know about photo video and podcasts everything that i do here at brooks i'm self-taught through youtube and whatever right so i have a youtube degree you know yeah <laughs> but i i have i have purchased courses that that because, you know, whenever it comes to YouTube, whether it's how to install your microwave or whatever, you have no idea the, the actual knowledge base of the person that's on the video and mm-hmm. you have no clue. But it's nice to actually I've taken classes and, and, and bought courses and whatnot where it's a, a singular professional that it has a long track record of yeah. this is what they are good at. And I learned so much more because I don't have to weed through everything on, on YouTube of eh, that doesn't sound right. Or I tried that and it failed. Yeah. Or, you know what <laughs> I mean? So I had to buy a new microwave. Yeah. Right? Distill it all down. So it makes total sense. But let's before we're, as we're running out of time a little bit, what's the difference in a residency and fellowship? So the, the residency is the um, first level. So after somebody graduated from, the professional level that we talked about, mm-hmm. the natural progression would be going into residency. And and, and I'll, I'll, I need to clarify, that's true for, I'm going to talk about PTs first. Okay. So the first um, level is the is residency. And then after you complete residency, you might um, potentially move into a higher level, more advanced um, subspecialty mm-hmm. into fellowship. Okay. Um, for OTs, um, just a difference in nomenclature their first level is called fellowship. Oh, okay. So, I did not know that. Yeah. So it's just a difference in, in how the different professional organizations name things. Okay. Okay. So why would somebody, let's say a physical therapist, why would they want to, after they're done with the residency, why would they want to, to become a fellow? It's, it's again, just it, same stuff. It's, it's, um, you know, to be honest, like, it's, it's a very altruistic, um, um, pathway mm-hmm. that because you, you really at the end of the day you don't really make much more money right and you don't you don't get um, a lot of accolades you don't you don't get a lot what you get is the um, the the feeling and the and the knowledge that you're gonna do a better job with the patients that you see every so day. it's purely for the love of the game yeah, but, that, yeah. Because, <laughs> because the people that you see yeah. you're gonna see patients that's what we are with clinicians and right and whether you're an OT or a PT um, you're going to see patients and, and those patients that you see, you're going to do a better job with. Yes. And that's what it's all about. That's what residency and fellowship training is all about. If it's your career, why not, why not yeah. get the most knowledge you yeah. can possibly get? Yeah. And, um, and clearly people who have completed residency and fellowship do a better job than people who haven't done sure. residency and fellowship. So Absolutely. That's great. So uh, what is the application process if someone is wanting to um, join the Brooks IHL? How do they stand out? How competitive is it? How does all that work? So, so logistically, there's a, um, it's an electronic portal. It's called um, Residency Fellowship um, PTCast. It's RFPTCast. It's, it's an electronic 
portal. It's um, you can find it through our website mm-hmm. and uh, through the IHL through the Brooks IHL. Uh, we op- it opens October first. Okay, and um, it's a national portal, so it's not just our portal. Okay. It's a national residency fellowship portal, and so that's how you would get into it. That's how you would apply to mm-hmm. the residency. In terms of specifically what we look for, that's uh, a loaded question. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to go first? I, well, I'll just say it's a tough one because it's um, you know there's I'd love to give a blueprint. Yeah. But that blueprint not necessarily gonna you know, mean that someone gets into the program Um, because every year there's, we joke a lot about those of us who are in like uh, the coordinator roles now who maybe did the residency program, you know, 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. we joke now that I don't think I could have gotten into the program. (laughs) It's a steep competition. Uh You know, I think that there are some people that are, they are accomplishing a lot during their student years. I mean, they're, you know, national organizations, they're on boards, they're volunteering for things all the time. So, and that's not to say that you need those things, right? but I think that w- the bottom line is that's demonstrating a level of passion, right? Sure. That's demonstrating a level of passion towards that profession already. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if you want to touch on anything specific. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel very strongly that the, um, that well, I would not have gotten into the program. <laughs> no, Trent, Trent, Trent absolutely would have gotten into the program today. He would get into the program today. I still remember Trent coming to my office um, pre-interview. He he scheduled an appointment with me while he was a student at USA, mm-hmm. and um, I still remember that meeting when he came and <laughs> sat in my office and uh, just introduced himself and and chatted with me, and and uh, uh, it was a great meeting. So I, I still remember that. I think that's important, though. The re- that's a that's an important thing to put out there for people that are applying to any program, is that uh, physical touch points and it, like you said before, relationships matter, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think that showing your passion one through what you've done, and then two by how you actually try to connect with that program, mm-hmm. I think all of that really matters, and yeah. it really demonstrates um, how much you want it. Right? Yeah. and how much you want to bring to it and um, how much you want the profession, you know, the right. profession as a whole, not just that residency program, but how much you actually want to live and breathe this profession. I, I think that can be demonstrated through those applications too. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to take a step back and you asked earlier, what are some advantages of the, the Brooks IHL residency programs? And, and one is that we are, um, we don't charge tuition and we don't decrease salaries. And so we're out of 350 programs in the country, we're probably the only one that doesn't do that. Oh, wow. So everybody else in all 350 other programs, as best I can tell, um, either charges some kind of tuition or will have a, there's a decrease um, in salary associated with this. And so, and and just based on math, it cost us about $40,000 a resident to educate people. Wow. So it's a, it's a huge um, um, dedication in our resources to, to train people. Sure. And so what, and, and then there's no commitment afterwards. We don't ask people to sign up and say, Hey, you're going to, you're going to work for a year or five years or whatever. So people finish with residency and they can walk away. So we, um, we, we take that very seriously. We want people to, um, come in who have passion. As Trent said, we want people who are going to be, um, dedicated clinical leaders who are going to go, do great things who are going to change the world. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to invest that money in people, mm-hmm. we want people who are going to go do great things. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what we're looking for. And so, um, 
when when we look at the applications, when we look at the you know the the material that people are submitting, um, that's what we're trying to glean out. We're trying to figure out who are the people who are going to change the world, right? And those are the ones who we select. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bring someone on, that's going and you're going to provide them all of the things you just said and then our whole system and all the things that also come along with being a Brooks employee and whatnot. Yeah. You would want to be pretty particular, you know, and make sure that these are people who really, really care about their career. So, uh, let's say someone has finished, um, their residency and fellowship. What, what are they now? What, what are they looking at in their career? What happens usually? I think that's a, that's an interesting question because there's nothing. So here's, I mean, here's the deal is that you finish the residency and fellowship and you're owed nothing. Right. <laughs> you're not going to get, like, there aren't going to be things served up to you, right? Right. Like, uh, without you putting in the effort. But um, your skill set afterwards hopefully speaks for itself. Sure. Um, your resume afterwards is going to be increased because you're doing a lot of stuff. To, if you do the residency and the fellowship, during that time, you're participating in, you know, continuing education. You um, are applying, you know, putting out uh, poster presentations. or So next thing you know, your CV is a little bit more padded, mm -hmm. right? And then, like you said before, it's relationship building. I mean, I, I after I did the residency and fellowship program, um, I got to work on different committees on, on national organizations. And that was just because of the relationships I've made through Bob with leaders in these organizations that they then tapped me and said, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? And mm -hmm. then that opened up more doors for collaboration with other residency coordinators that I would have never met had I done that. So there's a lot of opportunity afterwards. And we've had past graduates who do a plethora of things. We have past graduates who are, um, working at the DPT as DPT uh, instructors in sure. DPT programs. We have some that are now running residencies and fellowships. We have some in private practice. Um, we have some that are on uh, national sporting teams. Um, some that have gone straight business route. And like, uh, I always I always have to plug Kyle Rice, who's now at the, the PT Hustle, which is a <laughs> training for in PTE, which is the national exam. Okay. Um, he does a wonderful job with that. You know, he's, not, he's out of clinical practice. Um, so I think that there's a lot of things you can do, uh, post-residency and fellowship after you've kind of developed those like different skill sets and then those relationships you build along the way. Yeah. Some that have gone into, um, go and get higher degrees, PhDs and EDDs and, mm. um, gone into research and, um, you know, and, and then, you know, specifically within Brooks, I mean, if you look around the system, we have an awful lot of people in leadership roles mm -hmm. who, within Brooks who have completed the residency and fellowship. Mm -hmm. And I think. The, the reason for that is people have recognized that the um, the clinical reasoning, which is an, another way of saying that, is the decision-making that is learned through the um, residency and fellowship translates into um, an administrative decision-making. Sure, sure. And so um, it, it helps people become really um, high, highly qualified leaders. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think it's also important to point out that you know, there are some people that they, after the residence fellowship, they now do what they wanted to do and what they love to right. do. And they, they practice, they practice and get as good as they can. And there wasn't a, oh, I'm doing this for some other reason. Like yeah. I'm doing this so I can now hit the next corporate step or the next, this ladder. It was like, no, I just want to be really good. And yeah. now I'm going to become even better by just sitting in my practice and really now I have these tool sets. Right. We've got some people like that still that have stuck around in Brooks that are just 
you know, they're killing it in terms of like they're just becoming amazing clinicians. Sure. Right. And they're not getting distracted possibly by some of these other things. I mean, and, you would you would hope that'd be the big point is patient care. You want to. Yeah. When someone's right. trusting you in their care in front of you that you want to be the best you can, you know. And, you know, when we have, uh, you know, we offer 40 continuing ed courses a year and the vast majority of those are taught by our people mm-hmm. and the vast majority of them, probably 95 percent or more are our past residents and fellows. Wow. That's amazing. So uh, wrapping up here, what, what's uh, what's next? What's next for IHL? Anything in the future you want to talk about or? Yeah, you know, the probably the the, the biggest thing is um, we're, we're uh, building a collaboration with Jacksonville University and we're, we're going to uh, do a uh, doctor of physical therapy, a DPT oh, great. program. And um, that's that's in, awesome. That's in process right now. We've um, we've submitted our application to the um, Commission on Accreditation of Physical Therapy Education, CAPTI, and it's been accepted. And so now we're in line for that. And um, so it takes a couple of years to get through that process. Mm-hmm. And so we're um, we're just patiently waiting our turn. Yeah, well, that's and, great. Uh, but we're in development, and um, so it's going to be a great program. It's going to be brand. It's going to be new and innovative. It's going to be very very different than anything that exists out there today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's and that's the reason we're doing it. It's because it's going to be so different. We don't want we don't want to do the same thing. Sure. And uh, that's the biggest thing. And then, um, you know, we have a lot of other little projects that um, yeah. I'll, I'll call them little compared to that. But yeah. But um, new innovative ideas that are that are in the uh, pipeline. That that's are, great. That we're going to be rolling out. Keep moving forward. Yep. That's great. I, I, I whenever I talk with you guys, or I always think of all the acronyms that you guys yeah. have to remember. Right. It's like second to the military. Healthcare must be next on the acronyms. <laughs> yeah, we've got so many. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Um, it, it, what's the website? How, if anyone wants inf- any more information um, on the Brooks IHL, where do they go? So it's um, brooksihl.org. Okay, and, and that's it. Great, brooksihl.org, and I'll put that in the show notes yeah. of this. Super simple. Yeah, very easy. Thank you guys. Thank you so much, Tracy. Tracy. We really appreciate it.